I believe that's wrong. I believe that we come to church, it's a hospital for the broken. Come on, somebody. It's, it's not a museum for the perfect. We come here because we need Jesus from Monday to Sunday. We come here because we need each other to lift us up. We don't come here all perfect. We come here seeking the one who is perfect. Come on, somebody. If you believe that, somebody say amen. That's why we gather. We gather to lift up one another. And I, and I came to, to tell you that if for any reason you've suppressed how you're feeling, it's time to let it out. If you've suppressed what you're going through and you're masked and you're smiled and you're trying to do church, well, God said he's come to set you free. Amen? These things are real. The, the theme is the struggle is real. It is real. And people will say, how can you have depression when you're a Christian? How, how can you have insecurity when you're a Christian? How can you have comparison when you're a Christian? Because we're imperfect and we're human beings and we go through the struggles like every single other person. But the, what separates us is that when we go through our trials and our struggles, we know who's in the storm with us. We know who's in the fire with us. We know who's in the boat with us. So that's where we anchor our hope to, and that's the promises of God, amen? You don't have to suffer in silence. You don't have to, um, you know, we sing about being free and praise and worship, but quite often we don't know where to start. Where do I start to be free? We're afraid that if we let others know, they will go and tell us, go get deliverance. Now, don't get me wrong, friends. I believe in deliverance. I believe in the power of deliverance. I believe in any moment that God can take away what you're feeling. But I also know that God is a God of process. God is a God of order. We look at creation. Day one, God said, let there be light. And there was, I think he made wine Uyamata when he said that part, amen. Come on, somebody. And then day two, God created the atmosphere. Day three, God created dry ground and plants and so forth and so forth. God could have done all that in one day. He could have if he wanted to. But he wanted to show us that he is a God of order. So I said to someone in my church, the most spiritual thing you can probably do this year is go see a spiritual counselor. He looked at me like, I thought you were going to see me to deliverance. I was telling them, there is power in the process. Amen? We tell people, come as you are. But we promise you this. If you give your whole life to Christ, you won't stay as you are. If you give the steering wheel to Jesus and you come as you are with our comparison, with our depression and our anxiety, there is no shame in that. Those things are real. We face those battles every single day. But if you give it to God, you won't stay the same in Jesus' name. Our walk of God is not about perfection. It's about progression. So let's take a look at insecurity. How it presents itself. How some of the Bible characters overcame insecurity. What is it? Most definitions of insecurity point to a lack of confidence, assurance, and self-doubt. However, the most basic breakdown of insecurity is the lack of security or the lack of feeling safe. I came to Wainuimata this morning, and I felt safe. This place has come a long way in Jesus' name. You know, I come from the hood in Nanai to another hood in Wainui, and I felt safe. So I didn't feel insecure. I lifted my hands and my phone. You know, I felt good being in this beautiful place this morning. We can feel insecure in relationships. We can feel insecure in our job. We can feel insecure about our own bodies. We can feel insecure in social situations. We can, and these insecurities may be due to something called attachment issues. They may also stem from emotional trauma. See, insecurity presents itself through fear, 
through worry, through doubts, through apprehension, and through uncertainty. So it's good to get a, let's, let's get a bit of a thing about what insecurity is, but how does God speak to insecurity? You know, uh, you might hear someone tell you, it's good to read the Bible, and you're sitting there saying, that's great, but how do we make these things practical? Let, let's, let's, let's bring it down to a practical sense. How do we actually apply what God wants us to do? So, God knows that we are insecure. Everyone say amen. What a relief. We don't have to try and hide it from God. He already knows that we are insecure about some things. Moses, Gideon, Abraham, all these Bible characters express their insecurities in different ways. And God responded to each single of them, uh, to each of them the same at first. My friend, God is full of love and compassion. And the good thing I love about God is that he speaks to the root of your insecurity. You know, God is not into landscaping where he just cuts the weeds that you can see. The beautiful thing about coming to God is he goes down. He digs deep. It gets ugly before it gets better. But trust me, it gets better. It becomes beautiful. He turns ashes into beauty. Amen. Amen. Stay there. Let's talk about Moses. How did God speak to Moses in security? Moses, a huge character in the Bible. When God came to him in the burning bush to recruit him, thanks, Jay, you're the man. I brought this guy here this morning. This guy serves the house amazing. I said, you're going to have a Sunday off, so thank you, Jay, for what you do, brother. I bet the team's wondering, where's Jay, Jay? Where is he? Is he backslidden? now? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Why is he not at church? For the bring it on. Thank you, bro. Moses. Why Moses didn't want to do what God was calling him to do? For a couple of reasons. Maybe he felt that he already tried. When he murdered the Egyptian years ago and he felt like a failure and he ran off, or maybe he liked how his life was and didn't want to make a change. Whatever his reason for being apprehensive, God spoke to every objection with empowerment. That's what I love there. Every objection, Lord, I don't want to lead in church. He's going to empower you. God, I don't want to sing in the band. He's going to empower you. Every excuse that we have, every objection that we have, God turns that objection around and he empowers that decision. He doesn't say, yeah, maybe you're right. I'm going to let you sit down and not serve. No, friends, we're here to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be the salt and the light of the earth. So every objection that we have, God responds with empowerment. We can keep objecting as much as we want, but he's going to keep responding with empowerment, empowerment. So we get that moment, all right, God, take me as I am. Let's do this. I want to summarize Exodus 3 and 4. God speaking to Moses. He says this, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come to rescue them. So now, Moses, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses responds, who am I that I should go? God responds, I will be with you. Moses responds, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they respond, what is his name? God says, I am who I am. I am has sent me to you. Moses responds, but what if they do not believe me or listen to me? 
God gives Moses multiple signs to perform to convince them. And then Moses' insecurity leads him to lie. Did you know that? He says this to God, pardon your servant. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since have you spoken to your servant. I am slow in speech and in tongue. He's telling God his objection to God's mission. I can't do it. I'm, I, I'm like, I can't speak like Pastor Jordan. He's, he's saying, I can't sing like Adriana. I, I can't lead like Afele, you know. I can't take photos like Jamaica. I can't shake hands like Chris. I can't, you know, and he, he's saying all these things. And God's like, really? This is what he says to God. Oh, pardon your servant, Lord. I, I, I've never been eloquent. I can't, I'm not good at speech. But Stephen tells us in Acts 7, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. He was brought up in an Egyptian palace. So he had to learn the education, the custom. So he, he was already equipped, but he said, Lord, I don't know what to say. You know, I wagged English back at Wainui Mata High College. You know, I didn't go to the, the class and I told my parents I went all day. That's none of you, by the way. I'm talking about the ones from Oasis. You know, you guys, you guys don't wag here. You guys are amazing. But still, God responds to Moses with grace, redirecting him. And he says, is it not I, the Lord, now go. I will help you and teach you what to say. Moses clinging on to his insecurity, one last chance, refusing obedience with, Lord, please send someone else. Anyone ever said that to God before? You know, we can just be honest in this space. We don't judge. We put all our rocks aside. You know, we're not, we're not into that, you know. But everyone ever said, Lord, please send Phil Green. Please send Tyler Green. You know, you ever said that before? And, and, and maybe you feel like, uh, I feel like there are times when we have to just reflect and remember what God has done. And maybe that was a real good time for Moses to pause and to reflect on what God has brought him through. You know, like, um, those ads, before and after, you know, those real cringe ones, where you're like, are you feeling unhappy with your weight right now? And the guy's standing there, and it's gray, and he, he looks really bad, and he goes, do you want to make a change in your life? Are you sick and tired of chasing your kids and being tired, tying your shoelaces? Well, we have a product for you, and that's the before, right? You look real bad, and after, you're all happy, and, and your life is a miracle, and your life is changing. Sometimes we have to do a before and after with God. Listen, you might not be where you want to be, but let's thank God you're not where you used to be. Thank God that he's taken you out of the miry clay. You know, you could have been anywhere right now, but you're in the house of the Lord, serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Sometimes, friend, we have to look back and say, thank you, Lord, I am not where I used to be. Would have been a great moment, a great segue for Moses to go, pause, brother, remember what God has done for you. But still, because of who God is, he provided Moses with the help of his brother. Thank God for brothers. You know, so when I was a teenager about three years ago, <coughs> just holding on. I'm insecure about my age. You know, I'm holding on. I'm in the 30s now. Thank you, Jesus. But when I was a teenager, I realized now that I was actually pretty insecure. I went to the famous Tida University. Sorry, Tartar College. So I don't know who read this. Tartar College. And then um, I got to year 11. Uh, standard something for the rest of the folk. Year 11, first year of NCA. My mom says to me, hey, son, 
I think it's about time that um, we change up uh, where you're going to school. I was like, well, this is interesting. She goes, you know what? You've always said you wanted to go to Wellington College. I was like, top C, let's go. First division rugby, premier, all that kind of stuff. She goes, me and your dad have spoken, and yeah, we're going to take you to Wellington College. So going from Tyler College to Wellington College, if you don't know, on the trajectory is like that, you know, like that is literally before and after. I was excited. I was like, yes, I'm going to Cole, man. I can't wait. And then she goes, um, we'll, we'll drive you in and we'll enroll you now. I'm like, bro, my mom is boss, man. My mom's got backs. She is loyal. We're driving. She goes, hold on, son. I just need to pop over to Wainui first to see your friend. And I said, Mom, you told me to never go to Wainui. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, jokes. <laughs> Feel like I lost half the crowd right there. You know, I said, oh, okay. We didn't really know many people in Wainui at the time. So I said, oh, all good, you know. So we drive up the hill, get down the hill, take a left at the roundabout. We come up to another roundabout. And all I see is Mohaka Street. And I see the sign. Wainui Christian College. And I was like, oh, I thought nothing of it. We drive down the street, get right to the end of the street. All the houses kind of stop, and it's only a bit of land. Then there's a school there. We pull into the school. My mom turns the keys off, turns around. She goes, son, you know I love you? Yeah. Interesting kind of love, eh? <laughs> you know I'm concerned about not only your education, but your spiritual well-being. As a 15-year-old, you're like, no, 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 I'm good where I'm at. She goes, son, we're going to enroll you into Wainui Christian College. And I was like, yes, let's go. So we walk in, and I was like, the Samoan word is fali. I was real uh, uh, upset, maybe, for use of a better word. Um, we walk into Wainui Christian College. I never knew this place even existed uh, before coming here. I walk in, and they have a massive assembly. And uh, I feel like I'm the only brown guy in the room. And then I look up, and I see my brother all the way in the corner. And I was like, hey, brother from another mother, you know, let's link up. And um, I spent a whole year doing uh, school at uh, uh, Wainui Christian College. And I, I learned some interesting things about my time there. You know, Pastor Jordan, he taught me how to steal. He taught me how to start fights for no reason. But I thank God he's changed in Jesus' name, the redemptive power of Christ. Now he's fighting in the spiritual realm. He's, you know, now he's stealing souls back for the kingdom. Come on, somebody. Adriana tried to dye my hair at 15. And I said, Adriana, God, my mom will literally send me to meet Jesus right now if I go home with colored hair. I remember they had a school bus. This is out of Stokes Valley. Go to school in Wainui, look to the school bus. I'm not catching that bus. I would walk the end of Mohaka Street, catch the bus to the hut, catch another bus all the way to Stokes Valley because I didn't want to be seen on the Christian school bus. I know who was that guy. <laughs> Insecure much. Concerned about image. Concerned about what I would look like. Insecure about how people would treat me if they knew I was at a... Christian school, doing Christian things. Um, I was looking for value in all the wrong places. I was looking for validation in all the wrong places. My insecurity that I didn't deal with was leading me away from God. 
I ended up catching that school bus once because I spent my money on lunch. And I put a hoodie on at the front, put my head down. But I look back now and, and I see the hand of God in that. Um, some of these students, incredible people, uh, they've gone on to do amazing things. And I'm proud to say I went to college in Wainui. Let's go. <laughs> That'd be the only time I say that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Gideon. Gideon was insecure. God showed up, asked him to do something. Having lived oppressed by the Midianites for seven years, he felt God had abandoned them. Anyone else here felt abandoned before? Yeah, you know the feeling? Anyone else here ever lived oppressed? Yeah, you know the feeling? Well, don't worry, you're in good company. Gideon was the same. The angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. He was hiding and threshing wheat. And here's a summary of their conversation that took place in Judges 6 and 7. The angel of the Lord talking to Gideon. The Lord is with you, Gideon, Madu warrior. Gideon replies, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? The Lord has abandoned us. The Lord replies, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Gideon replies, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest and I am the least in my family. He must have been the oldest. Just kidding, just kidding. The Lord says, I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon is intrigued but insecure that he's actually got God talking to him. So he prepares a meal offering as a test. The Lord consumes the offering with fire, convincing Gideon he's really God. But instead of gaining confidence, Gideon responds with fear. And he says, and God says to Gideon, peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. A relieved Gideon builds an altar and names it, the Lord is peace. With his security now rooted in God, Gideon becomes the mighty warrior delivering his people. Delivering his people. Where is your insecurity rooted to? What's it rooted in? Who is your insecurity rooted in? I'm going to throw some scriptures at you right now. Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Psalms 4 verse 8. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalms 32 verse 7. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. No matter what your reason is for feeling insecure, God will speak to what you have and help you walk through it in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's get practical. Thanks for all those scriptures, Daryl, that I hardly heard. But let's, let's, I want to throw out three practical things. Number one, get connected to a life group. You might hear this every second Sunday. Your, your leaders might be pushing it from the front. The reason they tell you this is because it is true. Get connected to a life group. That's where you will grow. Don't isolate yourself physically, but most importantly, don't isolate yourself spiritually. I heard the saying that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Change your circle now so you can grow. What's your battery life on your phone? Because some of us are more concerned about our phone battery than our spiritual battery. 
Get around people who are going to charge your spirit. Get around people who are going to charge the God call over your life. Get around people who are going to charge what God's put on the inside of you and bring it out so you can walk in the authority that God has called you to be. Amen? Get connected. The second one is reach out to your leader or a pastor. If you're facing what Darren talked about, depression, if you're facing what Pastor Fina talked about in terms of comparison, if you're facing things around being insecure, reach out to your leaders and your pastors. I had someone say to me, Pastor, I was in hospital for one day and you didn't come to see me. And I said, you know, I, I, I talk to God every day, but if, had I known, I would have been there straight away. We're pastors, not mind readers. Reach out to your leaders. Tell them what you're going through. They're ready to help. It's not that they don't want to help you, but we just need to know what you're going through, you know. We need to be informed because we've got solutions. We've got people that we can get around you, that can journey with you, that can walk you out of what you're going through. Amen. Many books will inform you, but only the Word of God will transform you. And we're in the information age, and sometimes we don't need information. We need transformation. Come on, somebody. Third point. Once you've connected to life group and you've spoken to your pastor about some of the things that you're dealing with, and they've sent you along your way to do something, stay committed to that. Stay committed to change. Give God the space that He needs to shift things in your life. And then watch. It may not happen overnight, but I tell you this, it will happen. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 46, verse 9 to 10. God declares the end from the beginning. That means that God wrote your life backwards for you to live your life forward. The blood of Jesus was provision for the moments he knew you would need it the most. God just doesn't have you covered. He's always had you covered. He had you covered before you needed to know that you needed to be covered. He's always covering you. And the second thing is, let's not rely on others' revelation from God all the time. Let's seek our own revelation with God. Let's, let's sometimes say, I'm not waiting for the pastor to feed me every Sunday. I'm coming with a word of God because I've made time and I'm disciplined and I've heard from the Father and I'm thriving. You know, um, stop settling for secondhand revelation and speak to God for yourself. Anyone say amen? I'm a fan of sermon reels. I'm a fan of conferences. I'm a fan of Christian books, big gatherings, godly tweets. However, all those things were created to complement your relationship with God, not substitute your relationship with God. No one else can say it to you like God can say it to you. Amen? Let's get with him, team. Let's spend time with him. He died to speak to you. Your future may be unknown, but in God's hands, your future is secure. Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit, declares the Lord. The less Holy Spirit we have, the more coffee and cake we need to fill the gap. Amen? Amen. Knowing God has always, knowing God has always and will always be about having a personal relationship with Him. It's us who makes it impersonal. God is always ready to reconnect. In this season, let's not live off borrowed faith. Let's live off our own faith with God. You know the difference between a renter and an owner, someone who rents your house, they're not really going to look after it because if something gets damaged to it, you pay the bill. But if they own the house 
and something gets damaged to the house, they will try and fix it because they're paying the cost to maintain their house. Sometimes we do that with our faith. We live off a, a, a renter's faith where we borrow from other people. Why? Because it's never our faith. But God died that you would own your faith, that you would own your walk, that you would own your relationship with Him, that you would seek first the kingdom of heaven and all its righteousness and everything else will be added upon you. Let's own our walk with God. Does Jesus want to help you? Absolutely. Does Jesus have a plan for you to be set free? Absolutely. Is the struggle real? Absolutely. But is the power of God real? Absolutely. If you believe that, let's give Jesus some praise in this place. Amen. And I'll finish with this. There was a story about a young girl, and she was baking, and she was real excited about she was baking, and she got all the ingredients together, and I don't know how to bake, so I don't know what ingredients she used. So I'm just going to throw some out, some flour maybe, some egg. And she was getting ready to bake. And then she wanted to make this gingerbread man. She took her time forming the gingerbread man's eyes. And she put yellow M&Ms for the eyes. And she put buttons down the gingerbread man. And she spent a lot of time really making this gingerbread man. When she had finished she decided to put the gingerbread man in the oven. And she was waiting for it to be cooked. And she would look up. No, it's not ready yet. She'd look up again. No, the gingerbread man's not ready yet. And finally the oven goes, bing. She runs to the oven and she pulls out the gingerbread man. And she's so excited to see her creation. She puts the gingerbread man down to cool down. And all of a sudden, the gingerbread man pops up out of the tray, whoop, off the table, and it runs away. And she starts chasing this gingerbread man. She says, come back. Come back. The gingerbread man runs off and says, you can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. She starts to cry. She's like, oh, got it. Why did the gingerbread man leave? What did I do wrong? I formed it. I created it. It's run away. She finished school the next day. She's walking past the shop. She looks into the shop. She goes, hey, that's my gingerbread man. But this time, the gingerbread man was for sale. She runs in. She goes, excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Um, that's mine. The gingerbread man, the gingerbread man in, the, in the window, I made it. I, I, you know, and the guy's like, nope. If you want it, you're going to have to pay for it. She runs home as fast as she can. Up Wainu Hill, down Wainu Hill. Gets to her home, grabs her piggy bank, smashes it. Looks at all the money that she had saved over the years grabs her money, runs all the way back to the shop owner. Excuse me, sir, I have the amount. Excuse me, sir, I, I can pay for it now. I have the money for it. Shop owner goes, well, put it on the desk, let's have a look. Counts it. Yes, you can have your gingerbread man back now. She runs to the window and she grabs him, rips off the tag price, throws it away. She looks at the gingerbread man and she says this, I made you. I formed you, and now I paid for you. You are mine. And in the same way that she looks at this gingerbread man, it's the same way that Jesus looks at us, and he says, for I made you, come on somebody, and I formed you in your mother's room, and I created you. You are mine.
and I paid for the debt for your sins and I tore away the costs and I tore away the consequences and I know you were going through some things but I took it away for you. And the same way Jesus says, I paid for you, you are mine. Could we stand in this place right now? Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Have your way. Have your way. So what I'm going to do right now, friend, is uh, with every eye closed in this place. If you have, if you are struggling, if you are insecure about some things, are you waiting on a decision? Are you waiting for something? Are you wanting to hear an outcome or something? It's causing some insecurities inside of you. And you're saying, yes, exactly what 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 you're describing is what I'm going through. I don't know what you're insecure about, but I know that your future in God is secure. Not easy, but secure. Not going to be all roses, but it's going to be secure. Because it's not in our hands, it's in God's hands. You're saying, yep, that's me. I'm going to count to three. By the time I get to three, if you're saying, yep, you're talking to me right now. Yep. You're speaking to me, Pastor. I want you to raise your hand. I'll acknowledge your hand. You can put it down. One, this is your moment. Two, this is your time. Three, if that's you all over this place, shoot your hand up right now. Right now, you're saying, yep, yep, I see, shop brother, I see your hand, so good, bro. Yeah, yeah, you're saying, yep, you're speaking to me. I'm feeling a, few, a bit anxious about things, I'm feeling insecure about some things. Shoot your hand up right now, you're saying, yep, that's me, that's me. Holy Spirit in this place, so good, so good. You're saying, I, I need to get around my leaders, I need to get around my pastors, I need to be intentional about things, I want to grow in this season. You shoot your hand up in this place. Amen, amen, so good. From the left to the right. Yeah, so good. See your hand. Amen. 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 Can I tell you that Jesus wants you to be free? I can I tell you that he wants you to be free. He wants you to walk in victory. He wants you to walk towards the core that he has for you. And everyone, can we just all pray this together? Dear God, I come to you a sinner in need of a Savior. I know that you died for my sins and that you rose again. I invite you into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, come on, and everyone says, come on, let's make some noise for Jesus up in this place.